If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hello, and welcome to episode 79 of the Leading Learning Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about a manifesto we have created for organizations in the business of lifelong learning. Before we do that, though, we want to take a moment to thank Castle, our sponsor for the second quarter of 2017. Castle is an accomplished full services certification and licensure company that also offers its clients a variety of learning solutions capabilities. With an expert team of testing and instructional design professionals and a 30-year history of excellence in its field, Castle understands what it takes to develop and deliver quality learning and certification programs. To find out more about Castle's custom learning solutions, just go to leadinglearning.com castle. We also want to note that recordings from our recent Learning Technology Design, or LTD for short, virtual conference are available. We created that event specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development, and you can get access to all the great content delivered at the live online event by going to ltd.leadinglearning.com. And we also want to note, too, that these resources aren't going to be available forever. In fact, um, they will cease to be available after May 15th. So act now to make sure that you can get access to the great content. Now, one resource that we are going to make uh, available for, well, hopefully forever, um, and that we want to highlight as the resource for this episode is our learning business maturity model. And we've discussed this before in an earlier podcast, and we'll link to that, but we've not actually highlighted it as a resource. And it's closely related to the manifesto that we want to discuss in, in this episode. The model addresses uh, stages of maturity for organizations in the business of lifelong learning, four stages of maturity, and then five knowledge and skill domains across those stages. And you can find a full explanation and a visual of it at tagoras.com slash maturity. And you can also sign up to get access to the free assessment that accompanies the model by going to tagoras.com slash maturity. So let's get to the learning business manifesto now. And um, this is a manifesto aimed at learning and education businesses. So we think we should first revisit what we mean by learning and education business, um, which we often just shorten to learning business. We've offered our definition before, but but I think it bears repeating. Um, one of the main things is to make sure that you don't confuse this term, learning business, with the term learning organization, meaning an organization that pays attention to to what works and what doesn't, that it adapts and grows, etc. And in that sense, certainly every business should seek to be a learning organization, but that's not what we're getting at with the term learning business. Learning business, as we define it, has to meet two criteria. And the first of those is that a fundamental reason for its existence is to generate revenue through selling learning and education experiences to a target audience. And in most cases, this means net positive revenue or profit. And secondly, it has to self-identify as a business, meaning the majority of the people working in the business recognize that revenue generation is a fundamental reason for the business's existence. And so in in thinking about what a learning business is, it can be helpful also to be clear about what we feel a learning business is not. So 
most corporate training does not fall in the learning business category. So, you know, while corporate training can and, and should contribute to business success, it's typically a cost center and its audience is primarily internal to the company. And we'll, we'll leave aside for the moment the, the concept of extended enterprise, which is kind of trendy in the corporate world right now. Uh, we'll also note that we do not think of traditional academic institutions, for the most part, as being learning businesses. Many public institutions are, are heavily subsidized, and, and even institutions that have to generate um, at least break-even revenue, whether they're public or private, you know, it's still pretty rare for this requirement to be emphasized or, or arguably even recognized out of a small segment of the administration. So, you know, we think that those traditional academic institutions are, are shaky uh, at best on our, our first criterion and that they rarely meet that second cr criterion of seeing themselves as a business. But of course, uh, there are exceptions, um, which can lead us to the, the types of organizations that we do feel qualify as learning businesses. So in, in the academic world, for example, the continuing education and extension programs that, uh, that many universities and colleges have will fall into the camp of, of learning businesses. These parts of colleges and universities, they're often run more like private training and education companies, which are another type of organization we would definitely classify as learning businesses. And lastly, and, and arguably most importantly in the context of, of, of the podcast, you know, we'd say that most trade and professional associations are learning businesses, or at the very least, they run learning businesses within their overall business. Um, and we feel that's true whether an organization is selling education and, and training directly or whether it provides that um, access to learning um, as part of a member be a member benefit. Um, so, you know, I think in either case, you know, you have learning driving revenue. And so it's often um, treated as a business, should be treated as a business. So hopefully that offers a reasonable idea of what we mean by learning business. So with that definition uh, behind us, um, let's get to the, the manifesto itself. Right. So hopefully we've, we've provided some context in, in which uh, this manifesto will uh, make sense. And, and, and what this is intended as is just a, a succinct way to state some of the key ideas and principles that we think should drive a successful learning business. And we want to share this because it underpins our thinking, uh, certainly, and, uh, and it's also influenced the develop, uh, development of the, uh, the learning business maturity model, which we refer to as a, as a resource for this episode. And again, we're going to link to uh, our episode about that. We actually talked about it pretty extensively in, in episode 56. But the, the, the manifesto is uh, really integral to the, the overall maturity model. And so to start off with, the, the learning business manifesto states that Lifelong learning is the imperative of our age, and those who lead learning in their fields will lead their fields. And I'm going to repeat that because that's, that's, that's the core idea. That's the, you know, the, the, the guiding thought behind the manifesto. So again, lifelong learning is the imperative of our age, and those who lead learning in their fields will lead their fields. So in other words, learning is at the very heart of the value that your organization offers. And we're assuming that the most of the people who are listening here are coming from what we would consider to be learning businesses. So, you know, in today's world where, you know, change is happening more rapidly than ever, where people are changing jobs more frequently than before, and where people are living longer, learning simply is not a nice to have or something that you can check off your list as completed when you leave high school or college or even grad school. 
lifelong learning is imperative as something that is lifelong. So that's the baseline manifesto, that lifelong learning is the imperative of our age, and those who lead learning in their fields will lead their fields. But we have five supporting principles that go along with that baseline manifesto, and so we also want to talk about those. So the first one is learners don't value expertise. What people are paying for and what they value is the application of what they learn. Um, They really aren't interested in features and inputs, despite uh, what a lot of marketing copy conveys. And so we think that savvy learning businesses get this, and they don't try to focus on, on specific fixed subject matter expertise that they can bring to bear. Rather, they focus on offering highly relevant and practical learning opportunities that learners can apply to their work and their lives. So, you know, we phrase this a little bit provocatively, learners don't value expertise. They certainly will say that they do um, if, if, if asked, but really what they're looking for is that application to their work, to their lives. And I think when we talked about this, it was the idea that, you know, certainly, you know, you, you need the experts, you need to highlight that, that you've got the experts who are offering your content, and that does attract people from a marketing standpoint. So expertise will make the sale, but expertise will not make them stay. You know, what they're going to stay for, is, as you're saying, Salisa, is the outcomes. So really, that's what it comes down to is valuing those outcomes and focusing your learning business on actually creating outcomes, not just hanging your hat on, on the resumes of the people that you can put in front of your, your learners. So that, that was the, the, the first point in, in the manifesto or the first principle uh, underlying the, the manifesto. Learners don't value expertise. And the second one, uh, which is uh, maybe not quite as provocative, but is uh, slightly cryptic, and that is, if you can't see it, they can't see it. And the it here could be replaced by vision or value or impact, you have to have and articulate a vision for the impact of your education, for the value of what you offer, for the measurable impact of what you're doing. Because if you don't articulate that vision or value or impact, you can't assume that learners will see it. And this really goes to the the emotional heart of, of learning in many ways. I mean, most people who are engaged in learning are doing it because they want some form of change. It may be fairly prosaic. They just want, you know, a, a better skill in something. Or, you know, it may be much higher level. They may want to change the world. But, you know, oftentimes uh, organizations who are in a position to change an entire field, to cha- change an entire industry, to really change the world, uh, that doesn't come across at all in how they actually articulate what they're trying to do with their learning. And as a result, they really don't hook their, their learners at an emotional level. So if you can't see it, they can't see it. You have to work on seeing it and then articulating it in a way that your learners are going to be able to see it. Yeah, I can get so easy to focus on, on, on the, the details, to get in the weeds, to, to see the trees and really focus on those products and those events and putting all that out and sort of forget about the, the forest, the bigger context. Right. There's a reason you're doing all this. And so that was the, the second of our guiding principles that if you can't see it, they can't see it. The third one is good design is the enemy of impact. So I would say that this idea relates to uh, a notion that you've probably heard before, that perfection prevents progress. And, and so I think it's all too easy for a learning business to get caught up in the trappings of learning, you know, so um, looking at learning objectives and making sure that they're 
perfectly phrased or, or being, you know, really strictly committed to, you know, an interaction every two minutes in e-learning. But often what's really needed to result in impactful learning is, is something much less sexy. What's essential is setting the context, you know, why this is important to learn. And that doesn't have to happen through bullet points with action verbs. What's essential is that the learners engage with the content and begin applying it. And that may happen as readily by offering just a simple verbal reflection question as by building, you know, out some slick interactions. And so good design can be at odds with uh, innovation and uh, iteration. You know, we've certainly talked before about the, the idea of the minimum viable product or MVP, and that can be a great way to float a trial balloon and see if a new learning offering is going to have impact, but MVPs, by definition, aren't polished. They don't fit the classic good design definition, but they could have huge impact. So it is a sort of a, a cautionary guiding principle. You know, don't let um, yourself be too distracted by or overly committed to good design. You know, you really need to be focusing on impact. And I think it's important to, to stress here that, uh, you know, it's not that, uh, that we are enemies of design. Um, you know, in fact, we've made the point before that a lot of organizations aren't uh, using design enough in, in what they're doing. They're not employing instructional design and, and, and creating their learning activities. But then the opposite side of that, which I think is captured in, in this principle, is that, you know, you get a little bit of design and you, you start to focus on the merely good uh, and, you know, and it's just that it's something you can kind of fall back on and say, well, we designed it well, so it's fine. You know, it, it, it's, it, we, can, we can move on. But, you know, it, it, you're not necessarily thinking about the impact. And I think this ties back to the previous point, too, about vision. I mean, all of it fits together. Um, you're trying to achieve a, a bigger purpose. And oftentimes, you know, just being able to check the instructional design box, uh, very often just being able to check the instructional design box is not getting you where you want to go in terms of actual impact. Right. I think it's remembering that you need to have the commitment to the the spirit of the law rather than the the letter of the law. <laughs> very very well said. Because we, we've and you know I don't mean to diss any instructional designers, but uh, we often find in working with instructional designers that uh, they're more about the letter of the law than the spirit of the law. And this is this is about the spirit of the law. Get that impact, you know, whatever it takes. And that may not you may have to be a little unorthodox at, at times to make that happen. So that was number. Three, that uh, good design is the enemy of impact. Number four is marketing is education is marketing. Sounds a little bit like Gertrude Stein there, I, I think, back <laughs> from my graduate school days. But marketing is education is marketing. So we, we have a couple of points in mind here. You know, first is, is the rise of content marketing, which, you know, people have been beaten over the head with, I think, for the last uh, several years, if you've been paying attention to marketing trends at all. But, you know, at, at the core of content marketing is a focus on marketing that delivers educational value. That's what a lot of, of content marketing about. And, you know, a, a lot of marketing now, because of this, really most of the best marketing is educationally oriented at this point. So, you know, things like this podcast are, are an example. We're walking the walk here. Um, so are the free webinars that, that we and, and so many others offer. So, you know, the, the fact that marketing itself often is educational is often, very often, usually free education as part of this marketing as education as marketing point. The, the second part of it is that educational offerings themselves are, are very often their own best source of marketing. So, you know, each educational offering that's part of your 
your portfolio right now represents one of the best opportunities there is for highlighting and promoting other educational offerings that are either in your portfolio now or that you plan to produce. Your easiest sale is always going to be to your current customers. That's kind of an old law of of sales, and and there's a reason it's an old law of of sales. So current course and conference customers are going to be some of your most receptive buyers of education, but you have to be sure to market to them as they're engaging in the educational experiences they're having with you, because that's when they're they're really experiencing the value that you offer. So it's a natural time to point to, to other value that you offer. Now, that doesn't mean you know shoving it down their throats. We're not talking about selling from the stage, which I know a lot of organizations uh, you know really do not like to see at, at their events and for good reason. It does mean, however, making sure that your learners are aware of other relevant offerings and how they fit in to the overall value story you're telling as an education business. So, you know, that can mean referring to them in meaningful ways and in relevant ways uh, as as you're in the the process of one educational experience, you know, uh, creating that tie to another educational experience, making it clear that it's there and the value that it provides. So, you know, you end up with basically a, a value loop in which marketing educates people and then education markets the people and so on. So, you know, as a successful learning business, you need to really think about and think through and and execute strongly on creating that value loop. So again, marketing is education is marketing. And so the fifth and and final uh, supporting principle that makes up the learning business manifesto is this. Learning is noun and verb. So learning is a thing. It's, It's what we deliver to learners but learning is also an action. You know, it's what learners have to do, and it's what they have to do not only once, but but on an ongoing basis. And I'm guessing that you know, you like us, you've you've heard calls to move away from you know one-off events and and uh, are from focusing on on products. You know, we've been told that we need to embrace learning as a process. And it's true that learning is a process, but it's also true that that one-time events and products are part of how we keep that process going. So the events and products alone aren't enough, but they are key to the process. So learning is made up of of transactions, of of time-specific exchanges, but it's also made up of relationships, these enduring, ongoing interactions. And so lifelong learning is the goal we're working towards, and it's also what we must engage in to reach that goal. So it's both noun and verb. So that's number five, and and, uh, let's go back over those five supporting principles quickly just to help cement them in in listeners' minds. So number one, again, learners don't value expertise. Number two, if you can't see it, they can't see it. Number three, good design is the enemy of impact. Number four, marketing is education is marketing. And then number five, learning is noun and verb. And of course, we're not expecting you to commit these to, to memory as you're, as you're driving down the road or jogging down the street or washing your dishes or, or whatever you're doing right now. You will, of course, be able to get these uh, easily by going to the show notes uh, for this episode at leadinglearning.com slash episode 79. But, you know, we wanted to repeat them uh, again here so they're hopefully resonating in your mind a little bit. And again, you know, if some of these sound 
counterintuitive. That's very much on purpose. If they sound a little bit provocative, uh, that's also on purpose. This is a manifesto, after all. Manifestos, I guess, are associated with with revolution and with big change and and that sort of thing. And, and, and certainly, we hope to create some big change in the world of uh, the business of, of lifelong learning. So, as we're starting to exit, uh, that, that wraps up our, our comments on, on the manifesto. And, and again, we encourage you to you know, think about it and, and, and go find those points in the show notes. But uh, as we're exiting today, we uh, want to say thanks once again to our sponsor, Castle. Uh, Castle is a full-service certification and licensure testing company that also offers its clients a variety of learning solutions capabilities. And again, you can find out more about Castle's custom learning solutions by going to leadinglearning.com slash castle. We also want to mention again that the recordings from Learning Technology Design, or LTD, our virtual conference specifically for professionals in the business of continuing education and professional development, are now available and will only be available for a little while longer. You can get the details and sign up for those by going to ltd.leadinglearning.com. To get the show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 79. And while you're there, you will see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of the podcast, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe. We'd also be grateful if you would take a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. Very easy to do. We know you're probably not in a position to do it right now as you're listening, but all you got to remember is leadinglearning.com slash iTunes, and that'll get you to the right place. And we really appreciate you taking just a minute to do rating, a rating and, and a review. It helps us know that you're getting value out of the podcast. And also, you know, putting those ratings and reviews into iTunes means that when somebody goes searching for uh, a podcast that's about the business of lifelong learning, continuing education and professional development, they're going to be likely to find us. And finally, we hope you will consider telling others about the podcast. You can do it the old-fashioned way by just uh, mentioning it to somebody uh, in person, or you can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share. Or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can uh, spread the word via your preferred social network. So thanks again, and we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast. Hey.